Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. The voice of the Madrasa on A. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to your program. This is of course Madrasa on A, the Hajj edition. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams in studio for this afternoon. However, I do also say that you can send through any questions or any pointers which you are not clear about. You can send them through to our SMS number as well as our WhatsApp number. Now, last week we have completed the Hajj of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and now for this week we are looking at going on to the fiqh of Hajj. However, I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to do a recap as to where we stop as well as the opening du'a. Sheikh, assalamualaikum. Wa'alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, how are you doing this afternoon? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. How's yourself and Yasmina? Alhamdulillah, Sheikh. And I hand over Sheikh the bullets in your court, inshallah. Shukran jazakallah khair. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi wa hada wa salatu wa salamu ala madlana biyabad. Rabbi shabahli sadri wa yasidli amri wa ahlul ugdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma allimna bima yanfa'una wa anfa'ana bima allamtana. ورزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والإكرام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله all thanks and praise due to Allah till always and forever and love and salam on our beloved Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم the last and final messenger of Allah تعالى may Allah grant us to be worthy of being the followers of that Nabi and grant us to be of those people who will be granted his shafa'a يوم القيامة for the fact that we recognize that we are weaklings, people with weakness and sins and follows and uh, follow, uh, uh, weakness and sins and uh, shortcomings and errors, and I hope that Allah Taala is going to pardon us, and we seek forgiveness by Allah Taala for our sins, and we strive to be of those people who do our very very best, being of the Ummah of this Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Alhamdulillah. Um, Allow us to first do the opening dua. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wal-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Wal-jannatu lil-muwahideen. Wal-a'udwana illa ala-zhalimeen. Wal-salatu wal-salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal-mursaleen. Sayyidina wa maulana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Rabbana zidna ilma wa razukna fahma. Allahumma ja'alna min al-lazine yastami'una القول فيتبعون أحسن اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا فنضل يا رب العالمين اللهم اجعل الحجاج حجهم حجا مبرورا وسعيهم سعيا مشكورا وذنبهم ذنبا مغفورا وعملهم صالحا مقبولا وتجارتهم لن تبور يا نور النور يا عالم ما في الصدور اخرج اخرجناهم اخرجنا واياهم من الظلمات الى النور برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين ربنا اتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار وادخلنا الجنه مع الابرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين ما شاء الله as for looking at the recapping of what we did last week and Thursday Alhamdulillah we were at the point where the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has gone to the extent of performing the Dhuhr and Asr Salah and that is on Arafah and doing it collectively and with no other Salah in between he did the Asad Dur Salah two Raka'at, one Adhan and two Iqama, um, one Adhan and then the Iqama of Dur and then two Raka'at for Dur Salah and then the Iqama for Asr and then two Raka'at for Asr Salah. This is what we said the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did. And no pray, no other Sunnah Salah was done in between there. After the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went to the area called Jabal Rahma where the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stood there and made his adhkar from there and called unto Allah and there while standing Jibreel came to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and revealed certain verses from the Holy Quran amongst them the very famous verse of Allah or a portion of the verse of Allah which Allah says اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا referring to the verb meaning 
today have we completed for you your religion what well, we have sent you all our favors and we have come uh, and we will only be satisfied with Islam as a deen for you people. Ya Rab, may Allah grant us to be real Muslims, to want to be Muslims, and to be able to be of those who's going to strive to follow the Islam sent to us by Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allahumma ameen ya Rabbil alameen. Thereafter the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stood there until the waqt of Maghrib, and then we was making dua, calling unto Allah, making dhikrullah. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then said to them at the waqt of Maghrib that the salah for, for us for Maghrib and Aisha will be at Muzdalifa. The salah for Maghrib and Aisha will be at Muzdalifa. Um, when the sun dropped, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam took Usama ibn Zayd and put him at the back of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the camel. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam pulled the bridle of the camel tight to let the camel not run or go very, very fast. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made the people understand, Oh people, be calm on this journey. Be calm as you move. Don't rush. Don't go off and create bottlenecks and uncomforts. All of you move calmly. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam moved slowly with his camel to indicate to us until the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to places where there is difficulty to drive, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam allowed the camels to be able to move and then to climb. And obviously he's climbing on those would not as be as, as, as fast as he being on the street. So subhanak until the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reached the area of Musdalifa. Then as said, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam led the sunnah to the, the sun, the Maghrib salah and the Aisha salah at, at three raka'at for Maghrib, one adhan, two iqama, three raka'at for Maghrib and two raka'at for Aisha with no sunnah salah in between. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. Then the messenger of Allah went to lay down to relax. Until it came the waqt of Fajr, when the Nabi performed the waqt of Fajr, one adhan and, and one ikama, obviously, and the waqt of Fajr was two rakats as Norman this note. You don't mix the waqt of Fajr with any other awqat, right? Obviously, there was no sunnah salah performed by the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went to the area from where his tent has been. He went to the area called Mash'ar al-Haram among the mountains, the path of, of Muzdalifa. And there the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam faced the Qibla and making salah, uh, making supplication to Allah, adhkar, and exalting Allah and he pronounced the oneness of Allah Ta'ala from the, from the area called Mash'ar al-Haram in Muzdalifa. Beautiful, of course, say the voice of Sheikh Ibrahim Amos, giving us a quick recap on what was dealt with last week and Thursday. And Sheikh is still continuing on that before we branch into a new topic, which is going to be the fiqh of Hajj. However, if you have any questions that you want to send through, you can send them through to our SMS number, which is 47913. Alternatively, send through a WhatsApp on 072-238-0712. Sheikh, over to you, inshallah. Shukran Jazakallah Khair for that, Auntie Yasmina. Um, just before the break that we had, we spoke about the fact that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam um, performed the Fajr Salah at, at, at Muzdalifa and then left off to the area called Mash'ar al-Haram where the Nabi stood facing the Qibla and made, made supplication to Allah Ta'ala from there. Um, then the Nabi stayed there until... Uh, or remained there until the daylight became clear and before the sun rose the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa left off from Muzdalifa to go off to Mina and then as the Nabi sallallahu left Muzdalifa the Nabi placed Fadl ibn Abbas the son of the cousin of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the son of Abbas be, be, be besides the Nabi or behind the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa on the camel and, Abba, and Fadl was a handsome guy and then there was a group of women that passed by and Fadl was looking in the direction of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam placed his hand in front of Fadl's face and turned his face to the other side but then there was a other part of women on the other side and again the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam turned his face after he's been from the one looking at the one and then looking at the other and also the fact that it will pull, pull attention to the public or he pulling his attention to, to the public for, for, for his looks. And this happened until the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
got to a place called Muhassir between Muzdalifa and Mina. And, and this Muhassir is a place that is known to be what has happened as the Ashabul Fil, the people of the elephant that was that Allah destroyed with the people of Abraha from there. And the Nabi recommended us not to stay long there. And the Nabi went move quickly there to be able to get to, to Mina. And until the Nabi Sallallahu got to Mina and got to the area of the Jamaratul Aqaba, where the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam threw seven pebbles at the, at the, the, the Jamara. And having to say, Bismillahi Allahu Akbar, Bismillahi Allahu Akbar every time. Uh, and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam threw a pebble. Um, and then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then went to, be, to, to sacrifice the, the, the sheep on, Mus, and, on Mina. And there the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sacrificed 63 sheep with his own hand and left the remains for Ali to be able of the hundred that ought to, had to be slaughtered. Amongst them, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam slaughtered one and said, Oh Allah, tell accept this one on behalf of all the people who will not be able to sacrifice. There's their poverty is of such an extent that they will not be able to sacrifice. Accept this one on their behalf, oh Allah Ta'ala. Um, and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam slaughtered that one an, an animal as well. The, the, the rest was given to Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu to be able to slaughter. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi requested that a piece of every animal must be placed in, 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 in a pot to be able to make some soup and to, to enjoy of the meat by the Nabi and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu and everybody had to enjoy, uh, eat of the sheep. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam then rode to the house, the Baytullah, and then the Nabi at Makkah and performed the noon salah there, the door salah. Uh, um, which the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa performed two raka'at for dhuar then. When he performed the salah in the masjid, he performed the salah full with the sahaba radiallahu anhum. And when the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa performed the salah uh, um, with the general sahaba radiallahu anhum whilst on the ibadah of hajj, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa constantly remind the people that this is my salah, you if you are not performing hajj or you're not on the hajj and you're not on this ibadah, then please see if the, if the people of Makkah see that you perform, you, you add your two extra raka'at after that. Then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa came to the people of uh, uh, Abdul Muttalib, the, uh, the tribe of Abdul Muttalib, the family of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa We found him supplying water of Zamzam and he said to them, draw the water of Zamzam out of the tribe of Abdul Muttalib. Were it not that the poor people would take uh, this right of supplying water for, from me, I also would have drawn water from with you. So they handed some water to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam drank of the water of Zamzam. And thereby the Nabi sallallahu we, we, we see the coming of the end of the hadith, known the hadith of Jabir, wherein the scholars teaches us that there is so much benefit in it for many of us to be able to when we need to perform our hajj. As we know the words of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he said, Khudu anni manasikakum, and we said he repeated these words over and over on the hajj, to be able to let all hujjahs of the future understand that the only way we can be able to perform the hajj is understanding the hajj of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and we perform our hajj in exactly that form. Allahumma ameen, ameen ya rabbal alameen. Whether Nabi says, take from me your pattern of hajj, I do not know. Whether Allah will grant me the opportunity to perform another hajj after this. And our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not perform another hajj after that. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And now we've reached the end of that aspect and we're going over to the aspect called the fiqh of hajj, insha'Allah. For now we first look at what we call, the scholars call, what is the virtue of hajj? Under the fiqh of hajj, what is the virtue? Is it virtuous? Yes, it's virtuous. Uh, a hadith given to us by Abu Huraira reported that the Messenger of Allah said, one Umrah until the next Umrah is an expiation of what is between them. Meaning, if what there is anything as a weakness and a shortcoming and an error and a fault that you and I have done 
during uh, a period between an Umrah and another Umrah, then the second Umrah is the one where Allah pardons us completely for what has happened in the one, the one Umrah. And our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, and the Hajj that is accepted by Allah and performed properly has no reward other than paradise. Subhanak la hawla wa quwwata illa billah. Wal hajjul mabrur, al hajj that is mabrur, that way you've done whatever there is to your best of your ability, everything that's of necessity and has not violated, then the only reward, laysa lahul jaza illa al jannah, there is no reward for it but accept the whole of jannah, ya rab la hawla wa quwwata illa billah. Subhanak may Allah accept from all of us. In another hadith by Ibn Mas'ud, he narrates that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, follow up the Hajj and the Umrah by performing them together or another one. Meaning mean after the Hajj perform an Umrah, or after the Umrah perform a Hajj. For they remove poverty and they remove sins. Subhanak. And the Nabi describes it like a blacksmith when he uses, he wants to purify the, 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 the metal, the iron or the gold or the silver, then it removes all the dirt from it, so for that matter is the removal of the sin and poverty from a person. Allah removes poverty and sins from people when they perform the Hajj and when they perform the Umrah. And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, and there is no other reward for the acceptance of Hajj other than paradise. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Another hadith of Abu Hurairah, he also narrated to us that the Prophet said that the person who performs the Hajj for the sake of Allah and does not commit any lewdness of all sins returns like the day in which his mother has given birth to him. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And we say, see that the Nabi says to us that the delegation of, of people that's on Hajj or Umrah they are the the the, the guests of Allah Ta'ala and for anything that they ask of Allah, if they are Allah's guest, He gives it unto them. Subhanak, which means that the, all the du'as of the person who is on Hajj and Umrah will be accepted. Subhanak, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-alayhi al-azim. Then we, we, we know that Allah Ta'ala mentions to us in Surah Al-Baqarah, in, 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 I'm sorry, in Surah Al-Ali Amran, Verse 96 and 97 Subhanallahumma in those two verses Allah reminds us that the Hajj and the Umrah has been made obligatory on this Ummah at least once in our lifetime but it is recommended for us if we have performed it that we need to perform it again after five years time to be able to go back again subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah that gives us the the, the uh, um, virtues of the hajj we're looking now at what we call the ruling of the hajj what is the ruling according to the scholars uh, of the hadith of abu hurairah it clearly indicates to us that the Hajj has been made fard upon us. Allah has made the Hajj obligatory upon us, a fard. A man said to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Messenger of Allah, if the Hajj is fard, is it fard every near, every here? The Messenger of Allah to remain silent. The man repeated the question three times. And finally the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam responded, If I were to say yes, it would become obligatory upon you and you would not be able to do it. And then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, leave me with what I have left you with. Meaning me, I, I told you anything, please leave it as such. Don't say yes, but and yes, and. Don't ask any question. If the Nabi has said something, say that we do, uh, am I prepared to do that? That is important. Will I be able? Don't ask any unnecessary questions. And our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said in a hadith, part of the signs of Yawm al-Qiyamah is excessive and extensive questions, unnecessary, simple questions, what if, what and, and if, okay, what then? Not things that I'm in need of. If something doesn't have a direct effect on you, a direct re with reference meaning it affects me, so I need to ask a question, 
Then don't ask unnecessary questions. Leave it. You ask the question, what did the Nabi say? Or what did Allah Ta'ala say? Or how did the Nabi do it? This is what the question is. That's a fart on each and every one of us. The other questions is not fart. The other questions is many questions. What if? So what if not? If you ask the what if, then obviously what if not? But the what if is not things that's of need. And this is unnecessary questioning. And this is the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, This happened to the Yahud and Nasara. Allah Ta'ala cursed them because of the extensive questions. Questioning what if things that is of none of their business, but just, just because I want to ask, just because I love asking unnecessary things. Uh, 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 I also want to be heard and I also want to say something. Na'udhu billah, may Allah protect us. Muslims are people who use their brains all the time, considered of all the things that they do, they think before they talk, they think before they do something, they don't ask unnecessary questions, and if we ask the questions, we are sensible, we think in terms, is it the right time, is it the right place, am I asking the right thing to the right person, or, or what am I asking, and this happens so common in our life. That we many times don't realize how we look as fools to those who hear our funny, stupid, ignorant questions that we ask. And this is common. Yes, I'm sorry, there is ignorant questions, there is stupid questions, there is. You ask a sensible question, you think. If it is somebody who is not sensible, if it's somebody from, uh, uh, who doesn't understand, then yes. But under no, a Muslim is sensible, thinks twice, three, four, five, ten times before he asks a question and realizes his question is valid at, at the right time, a needed thing, it's for him. And you ask the question, we don't ask, and that's the Nabi says, these are the signs of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, where many of you and me and us, the Muslims, we will be asking unnecessary, foolish, stupid, ignorant questions. Now, Billah, yes, this is not recommended, guided to us by our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Muslims, we always think, we don't send in a million and one questions to the radio and to this, because we just want to ask questions, and the simple questions we ask is, what if? It's none of your business, what if? Ask the question, what did the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa say? What did the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa do? What does Allah say? Those are fundamental questions of a fart that you and I need to know and need to see that we implement and carry that out. And thus the Nabi says, these are the signs of Yawm al-Qiyamah, the signs where the Muslims, the people like you and me, we're going to ask unnecessary, stupid, foolish, because we encourage wrongness and we encourage stupidity and ignorance and that's why these and we don't go out to seek and go to where we need to seek knowledge and understand and sit beneath the feet of scholars and unfortunately then we send questions and na'udhu Muslims are always 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 considerate of what they do and how they do it in every aspect of their life may Allah open the path for all of us and let us not be people who look at others only but look at ourselves first and foremost. May Allah not grant us to be of those and grant us to grow as true Muslimin. In the advice of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as part of the ruling for Hajj, it is narrated to us that Ibn Abu Hur, uh, that, that Ibn Umar radiallahu an, uh, Ibn, uh, uh, radiallahu an, he says to us, uh, no, our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has mentioned to us uh, in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, first, sorry for that one, where in the Nabi says, Leave me with what I have left you with. Meaning, verily the people before you were destroyed because of their excessive questioning and their opposition to their prophets. If I ordered you to do something, do what I order you. If I prohibited you of something, leave it. And do not ask unnecessary questions. In another hadith, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa has recommended us that if a person has performed the hajj, then he must at least try to do it again at least after five years. Shukran so much on that note. But for now, I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue. Sheikh Tafadol. Shukran jazakallah for that one, Yasmina. Um, in, we were busy with the area according the ruling on hajj. What is the ruling? And yeah. The, uh, in, in the scholars, they say uh, uh, Ibn Abbas, the Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he says to us, pertaining to the Hajj done by the Nabi sallallahu alaihi with the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, he said sallallahu alaihi this is an Umrah that we are performing together with the Hajj. Whoever does not have a sacrificial animal should leave the state of Ihram 
completely. Verily, the Umrah shall be combined with the Hajj until the day of Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Because that, and why is it said? Because it, that was not known by the Sahaba of prior, that the, the mixing of the Hajj and the Umrah, unless you pay a penalty. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. May Allah grant khair and barakah to all of us. And then we are dealing with what we call the Hajj of a slave or a young person. Uh, a young person meaning a person that's not mukallaf as yet. The Hajj is not obligatory upon a youth, a young person that's not mukallaf. Or even an insane person. An adult person that's insane, it's not uh, obligatory on him or her. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said the pen, um, the pen uh, recording uh, the deeds has been raised and is not recording for three. The one who is sleeping until he wakes, the, the child until he or she becomes the age of puberty, and the insane one until he becomes sane. Ya Rabb, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. May Allah grant us khair and barakah to that one. In another hadith, uh, it's noted to us that the Hajj is also not obligatory upon the slave as he is not able to perform it due to his being preoccupied with the service of his master. However, if a young person or a slave does perform the Hajj, then their Hajj is considered valid, but does not sacrifice, does not, does, does not suffice for the obligatory hajj that the obligatory hajj upon them after they reach they, they will still have to do the obligatory hajj until they when they reach the age of freedom or the age of puberty uh, ibn abbas narrated that a woman lifted her child to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and says can this one make hajj a baby child the prophet sallallahu alaihi said yes and for you will be the reward, which means if you have to put the child into the processes of being in a state of ihram, then you have to protect all that and look after all that and see that it's done appropriately, then for you will be the reward of that. He also narrated that the Prophet wasallam said, any youth who makes the hajj and then reaches puberty must perform another hajj. Any slave who makes the Hajj and is later freed must make the, another Hajj. Subhanak la hawla la quwwata illa billah. That shows to us the process of the status of Hajj of a young person and the status of Hajj of a of a, a, um, a slave. The understanding of the words mani stata'a ilayhi sabila, having the means to perform the Hajj. What really is the meaning of that? Having the means implies being of sound health and possessing what is sufficient for one to make the trip there and back. In addition to the spirituality that the person needs to have, the knowledge that you need to have, the sober that they need to have, um, the stability and the, the and the funds that the person needs to have to be able to look after and be there. And that funds need to be the needs of the person that, uh, and the needs, the needs of the person that goes on the journey and the needs of his dependents that he leaves behind. All those is part of it. And the last one is known to be the safety of the journey or the safety of the route. If these things is in place, then the person has reached what we call manistata'a ilayhi sabila. If these things is not in place, then subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, then it is not a necessity for that person to be able to perform the hajj. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. As for the condition of, um, if a person it does not have the, 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 the fulfillment of these things, then it is not a necessity on that person to perform the hajj. So, um, may Allah protect. And may Allah grant khair and barakah, subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. A person was asked to the Badr Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a person asked the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Messenger of Allah, my father is not healthy, 
and he's old and will not be able to climb a mount, but he did not perform Hajj. Can I perform Hajj on his behalf? And the Nabi said, yes, you can perform Hajj on his behalf. In another hadith, the person, another person said to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, my parents did not perform Hajj. Is it a necessity for me to perform the Hajj on them? And the Nabi said to the person, did you perform your Hajj? Perform your Hajj first and then perform the Hajj on behalf of your parents. In another hadith, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa would ask a similar question and the Nabi says to the person that do you, do, do, uh, if your parents had to owe somebody anything, would you have paid for that of the, the, what they owe? The person said, yes, O Messenger of Allah. And then the Nabi said, so the, 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 what you owe Allah is then greater of payment than the, the owing of anybody else. Subhanak Showing to us that the Hajj is an actual fact and ibadah that we owe Allah and may Allah accept it from all of us, inshaAllah. Ameen. We are currently now going on the fiqh of Hajj and that is where she has stopped. Just Sheikh Tafadl. Shukran Jazakrakhir for that one and Yasmina. Now just before the break we were speaking on what is meant by the mean the words sabila. We're looking now at the, the, the Hajj of the Nabi Sallallahu the, the Hajj of a woman. What if a woman would we put put down the conditions of what it is like to be sabila? what is the things that you need to have with you and all the things that need to be in place? The, those conditions is exactly the same, the same for a woman. She also needs to have that. Except for that the scholar says there's an additional condition to that. An additional condition to the woman. And that is uh, when the Hajj is obligated upon the woman, um, she must be accompanied by her husband or a male relative that she cannot marry. Now if she, if she doesn't have that, the scholar says, then Hajj is not fard upon her. Allahu Akbar. Which means a woman must be accompanied by for Hajj, for her Hajj and for a fard Hajj. She must be accompanied by her own uh, husband and or family relatives such as her brother or her cousin. Uh, uh, I mean her brother or her son or uh, 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 her husband or her father. Um, those people that she cannot marry to, can get married to. She can, uh, and even her brother's son can be a, a mahram. She can have people of that nature that she cannot get married to. They must be accompanying her. If there is not somebody like that that can accompany her, she cannot go for Hajj because she does. It's not part of mani sabila. Um, she, she, it's part of the process that she needs to be able to understand that she can only go. When she has a, a accompanied by a male relative, a, moon, a man stood in the presence of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he said, "O oh, Messenger of Allah, my wife has left to perform Hajj, while I am recorded to to participate in such and such a military expedition." The Nabi sallallahu alaihi told him, "Go and make the Hajj with your wife." To show the importance of when a wife, a woman goes, that she cannot go or she wouldn't, need not go or may not go alone. She must have a male relative with her. Yes, there's other people around with her, other females and males around her. But the Nabi says for every female that is alone, she must have male relatives that she cannot get married to. That must be part of the process of uh, uh, the mahram for the person. Now, a mahram may be one male that can be. Uh, he he's a mahram for his sister. He's a mahram for his wife. He's a mahram for his mother. He's a mahram for his daughter. And he's the only male that is. And he's a mahram for all those females, right? So, he is a mahram for all them. And he can he can be. He's 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 the son of his mother, so he cannot get married to his mother. He is married already to his wife, so he is the mahram of his wife. He cannot get married to his daughter. He cannot get married to his granddaughter. Uh, he cannot get married to his aunt. So he can be the mahram for all of them, right? Uh, we need to understand that this is the way the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa shown it. How we need to perform the hajj and it must be in, in accordance with what Allah and His Rasul has commanded us. The next point that we're looking at is not delaying the performance of hajj. It is obligatory on one, on anyone, who has the means to perform the Hajj as we've indicated what it is, 
to perform the Hajj without delay. Meaning the sooner we have all the things as part of in place, and we said it's not finance. Finance is probably the least that you need to have. Your spiritual development, your, 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 your knowledge and understanding of what you're going with, and your, your, your uh, um, spirituality, your uh, uh, character building, your mannerism in, in place, your realizing that you're going to go with a, as a representative of your people. So you look at all those things, your uh, stability of the person that, and, your, and your finances, and that you have enough to be able to feed yourself and, 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 and for your needs on your journey and the needs for your one dependents that you leave behind and that there's safety, you've done all that and you're a female and you have a mahram, then you need to be able to see that you perform those things as soon as possible. This is what the scholars are saying to us. The Messenger of Allah says, whoever intends to perform the Hajj should do so without delay. For a person may not, may get sick and maybe get lost or encounter some need and thus the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa wanted us to understand it's all about prioritizing the issue the ibadah, the necessity of hajj it must be a priority in our life and our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has shown us the, uh, that the person should not should do so without delay but realize it's not about going for hajj um, it's about preparation for hajj now we're living in a time today where people all want to run off and want to go for Hajj because many a time we want to go for Hajj with other people has gone for Hajj. Hajj is only a fart on you when you've actually done all your processes of preparation. And if you are ill prepared, then you are not, uh, then it's not a necessity for you to go for Hajj as yet. Get yourself fully prepared, prepare yourself with all the necessary things. And all these things is a necessity in the life of a Muslim. And its preparation should have, should have happened decades ago. Not a day, not a week, not the year that you're going or you've made the intention. And not the year that you've made application for, uh, for, for being uh, accredited. Not then you should have done your preparation for Hajj starts from the time you become Mukallaf as a necessity and you've worked at it all the time with the intention to want to perform Hajj. Yes, Alhamdulillah. Then you fulfilled your processes and then the Hajj can be done. May Allah open the path and grant all of us to be able to be of those people who go and perform the Hajj in accordance with what Allah and His Rasul wishes for us to the best of our ability. We then come to the other aspect, the aspect of there is what we call the time and place restrictions when it comes to Hajj. Now the time restrictions when it comes to Hajj is the words of Allah in the Holy Quran when Allah says Al-Hajju Ashhurum Ma'lumat Ma'at Hajj is specific time factors. And then Allah mentions to us also in Surah Al-Baqarah verse 189 Allah says yes, They ask you about the, the moon in its various processes. Allah says Kul Wal-Hajj Say to them it is the mawaqitu for you, the, the, the instrument of time that they can measure uh, time with, and hajj, and it's the instrument that tells them what time is hajj happening everywhere around the world. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. However, we have also have some of the questions that has come through, Sheikh, before I hand over for Sheikh to complete our topic being fiqh of hajj. However, the WhatsApp question reads as follows. It says, Assalamu Imam. Alhamdulillah, I will inshallah be going for hajj in August. My family members have been affected, however, with issues that now leaves me with having hatred in my heart. Please advise how I can find it in myself to soften my heart, for I want Allah to be pleased with me. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I think it's a pertinent question for people who wants to go on Hajj. What happens if I have still processes? We need to understand that I, as a person who goes for Hajj, I want Allah to accept my Hajj. And I want Allah to pardon me and forgive me for my weaknesses. Forgiveness is Allah going to give us for sure. Allah is going to grant forgiveness. Of those people who's not going to be worthy of forgiveness is a person who's not prepared to want to forgive others. So if I wish to be able to be forgiven, I must be ready to pardon and forgive other people, right? Um, 
the, 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 there's many errors that others have done. But how many errors have I done in front of Allah? If I cannot find it in my heart to pardon them, imagine my, I expect my Lord, Lord to forgive me whilst I don't have it. One of those people who is not worthy of Allah's forgiveness, not worthy of a hajjbik makbul and mabrur and forgiveness, is the fact that a person is not prepared to want to forgive others. Now, saying how do I find it in my heart? By having to admit it to me that I am there wanting to receive Allah's forgiveness and pardon. And it's going to be a fact that Allah is going to forgive me when I go for my hajj. On the basis that I must be able to cleanse my heart. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa relates to us one of the people that will enter Jannah. At one occasion, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is busy with the Sahaba in an occasion with the Khalqa, and somebody enters into their company. When this person enters in the company, or before this person enters into the company, the Nabi says, somebody will enter into your company now that will not be, that will be a person of Jannah. The person comes in and shockingly, the Sahaba knows him, some of the Sahaba knows him. And a few days later, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa makes the same statement that says, somebody will enter the, 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 the gathering now that is a person of Jannah. Shockingly to them again, it happens to be the same person. When that happens to the same person, one of the people that was in the Hawqa with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam makes it his duty to be able to find um, a, a recourse to be in this person's company. To find out what is it this person is doing, what is he doing in his life. He tries to follow his, 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 his public life. And, and because in public you can probably see what the person is doing and what is his character and what is his behavior. He tries to find his, the, the, the public life of this person and sees there's nothing much that he could pick up. And then makes his duty to be able to get into this person's private life. He goes to the person and says to him, I have a problem with my father. And my father have rejected me from my home and 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 and, and uh, I'm now without a place to stay is it possible can I stay with you but the reason why this person is asking this man to be able to stay in his house is to get into his private life in his and sorry in his uh, his private life yes and to be able to find out what is this person doing that makes him of the people of Jannah the Sahabi says to us the one that has heard this news he says to us I kept my nights alive and awake and I found that this man is not doing anything excessive. Not even to the extent that he stands up in the middle of the night and makes tajjud salah or things of that nature or makes tasbih salah or, or makes a, a, a reciting of Quran at the middle of the night. And I've looked at what I found in his life, in his public, in his private life, whatever I could and I couldn't see anything much. Until the last day and I admitted to this person why really I came to you. The truth is that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said that you are one of the people of Jannah. And I am so curious to want to know what makes you of the people of Jannah. And this person says, I do not know why the Nabi said, I'm one of the people of Jannah. I cannot think except for one thing. And he says, this person says to him, now what is that one thing? And he said, that thing is, I do not sleep ever one night. Or I cleanse my heart from every person as Muslim of any weakness and fault and error that he could have done against me. And I cleanse my heart in totality. And I ask Allah to forgive them if for that matter they have harmed me. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. What does it tell us? This is the method that the mu'min should be. We should be of those people who want to rather pardon the person that harms us. Not we keep them. Ya Majay. Be of the people, a mu'min, a believer is that person who is quick to want to pardon and forgive others. And who recognize that he strives his best to be able to not look at the faults and not try to find and not to be able to blame others all the time to see how quick he can be there to pardon and to forgive. Thus, if Allah takes him away, he surely will enjoy the rights of entering Jannah because he is prepared to pardon and forgive everybody else in his life. May Allah grant us to be of the Muslimin who is going to strive to be able to pardon others all the time in our life and 
Our sister who's asked this question, I hope that Allah grants her to be able to come in with terms with herself and Islam. With, in terms with herself and Islam, the terms of her own weakness and the challenges that that touches her, and Islam, what Islam was for her, so that she can, if Allah takes her away from dunya before she goes for Hajj, that she will be a be of those people who enters Allah's Jannah and she can be forgiven and if she goes for Hajj she can obtain the full forgiveness from Allah and a person will be granted the Hajj Makbur and Maburur bi'ithnillah insha'Allah Shukran so much for that Sheikh Now Sheikh there has been a few more questions that has come through and the one question says Salam Sheikh what does a family member do if a person nearby strangers that your sister's husband is going for Hajj but he didn't come greet advice Kanala Shukran Jazakallah khair. I think that's a pertinent question. In the words of our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he speaks to the Hujaj. And he speaks to those people who goes on travel and he says to them, and obviously Hajj is, a, is the greatest travel that man can take. Now if the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has advised us pertaining to travel, he speaks about every travel that you're ever going to take. But more so is the travel of Hajj. And so obviously the advising of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is pertinent more so pertaining to the person going for Hajj. Our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says in his advice to us saying that when a person goes for Hajj, please inform the people, your friends, your family, your neighbors, those people in your life, inform them of your departure for Hajj and beg of them to make dua because the safety of your journey is dependent on the fact that they do are the people that actually that you go to and inform of their du'as is going to grant you a safety in your journey. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa advises us. So in this case, we will want to recognize or recommend to this person, please, if you've erred by not informing, informing your family members, get to them ASAP, do your duty, follow, be a Muslim. If you want your hajj to be hajj makbul and mabrur, and if you want to come back, not wasting your time there. Otherwise, you're going to waste your time there, you're going to waste your money there, you're going to waste your effort there, and you come home with wasting with coming back uh, being the same person that you are whilst in the process of the advice of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam is to be able to come back successful with a hajj magbun and mabrur otherwise you've wasted your time the one basic thing if you cannot do what is fundamental basic then unfortunately you're going to make a, a decent mess of your ibadah now your family members is whom Allah has given to you you haven't chosen them you can't choose them and Allah has made it a fart upon you that you need to revere and honor them. You don't say but and and you see that you go out of your way, whether they've done you what harm, you go and you can say to them, I'm going and this you owe them and you can pay them first. Whatever you owe them, you give unto them and you, you say to them that inshallah if Allah grants me, I'm going for my hajj, please I'm begging you make dua for me for the safety of my journey, for the safety of my family at home and that Allah grants me a hajj makbul and mabarur. You need that from them. They're going to make the dua for, the, for you. So yes, our family members and our friends and our neighbors and our community, they need to make dua for us, right? And our Nabi also says that when we are in, on travel, that we need to make dua for those people at home, for our home, the safety of our home, for our children, for our family members, and they are part of it. So uh, the safety of, the, the, if I want the safety of anybody or the righteous, and if I'm on travel, I need to make dua for them. And there's one of the people, so if you are going on hygiene, you need to go and make dua and stand in front of Allah the Baytullah and expect Allah to grant you what you want for your calling and what you need for your hajj and what you need to become a decent and respectable Muslim and slave of Allah. And you want to be righteous, then please see that you go to the people and beg them for your hajj. And you beg them and ask of them to make dua for you. Secondly, at the same time, if a person did that and did not come to greet you and it comes to the last minutes before he goes and are now speaking to the person that stays behind, then please, if you can, without him or her coming to you or greeting you, go to them. Show them and when they greet and say to you, whatever, then remind them of the wrong that they've done. Decently, respectfully, remind them of the wrong 
and let them understand that you wish for them a Hajj Magbul and Mabrur. But if they cannot, even if you wish all the wishes, if the whole world wish for them anything, and they cannot submit to Allah in accordance to what is necessity upon them, and how and what is guidance, as we say, don't ask the question of what if, rather ask the question, what was the command of Allah and His Rasul? What is, are we supposed to do? What is supposed to be like? And we do, and that is what it is that he's supposed to do. Then you say to him or to her, please, if you're not going to be submissive to Allah, don't expect to go there unless you wish to waste your money, waste your effort and come back and be a non-advantage to anybody and everybody. Subhanak, may Allah protect. But this is for all of us. People, this is for all of us. The need for having to realize we need to be able to inform our communities. We need to inform our family members. These are the people that's near us all the time and our friends. We need to beg of them for their du'as and Allah to grant our hajj and our journey and our ibadah to be a successful one. Ameen. Shukran jazakallah khair. Ameen. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And then also here's another question that has come through. As says, Salam, what if someone reverted to Islam, only love to love of the deen, single and no Muslim relatives? Does it mean that this person can't do hajj? I don't understand. Please explain. Yeah, uh, I take it for granted as the person are saying to us uh, with reference to what we said earlier on. Um, what happens when a person is a female and she needs to have a, 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 a mahram. Now obviously if a person is a female and she wants to perform hajj but she has reverted to hajj. One of the things that we need to understand first and foremost, hajj is a fart after you've developed through the process of, of life. Right? It's not a fart on you when you became Muslim. So it's somebody who became Muslim this year, it's not a fart on that person. Like we said, what is, what makes you a person that is righteous? Your development with knowledge of deen, your development of application of deen, meaning you are Muslim in your application of salah, zakah, fasting, and all these things has been in place, and you've been working with these things, and it molded you. And so we find the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was revealed, some scholars is in the fourth year, some scholars is in the sixth year, some scholars is in the tenth year of the Hijrah, the, the revelation of Hajj bin Fard. But showing the scholars that is more righteous is in the fourth year, saying that it was sent, the, the message was sent in the fourth year, in the revelation from Allah. But it is only became a fart in the life of the Nabi to teach you and me that it is not something, even though we know it's a fart that must be done, it's a preparational process in life that we need to work towards. Not the going for Hajj and make it. Because going there and make it, you can either make it righteous and decent in an accordance with the necessary knowledge, experience and intimacy with Allah and His Rasul through the life that you've lived as a Muslim and or you can make it a decent mess as they say. And we don't want that for you. May Allah grant you to be able to come to the recognition for now you don't have a, 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 a mahram because you're not married. But the day that you get married inshallah as a female that may Allah grant you, if you are sincere in your heart and you beg of Allah and you make all the preparation, the educational preparation, the spiritual preparation, the moral preparation, the wanting to be a righteous person in the presence of Allah, a righteous slave of Allah, and you go out of your way to see that you put your monies aside and you then want to go for Hajj, be idnillah, Allah will grant you a good partner who will be ready to be able to take you for Hajj, inshallah. And Allah will make it easy for you. May Allah make it easy for yourself and for all of us, inshallah. And may Allah grant us all, all the hujaj, a hajj, magbun and mabrur, that they strive for what is best in their ibadah and carry out what must be done according to Allah and His Rasul. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And then there is also another question that has come through on our WhatsApp number. It says, Yes, Salam, is it advisable for a son to take his mom on hajj? It is advisable for, a, for, for any child to take their parents on hajj, right? If their parents hasn't been for hajj. Now, um, I, I like the question, because if we say, if we say I take my mom on hajj, is better than send my mom on hajj, mm -hmm. right? Because sending my mom on hajj, I'm making her a nuisance for everybody else. Um, if your mom is going to be a nuisance to everybody around, 
or for that matter, everybody's going to be busy in ibadah, and all of them does not have the capacity. So they're not going to give your mom all the preference, but if you're going to take your mom on hajj, that, according to Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, when he saw a person who brought his mom walking from as far as India, walking with her to come to, to, to Makkah, on a walking hajj on his back, right through all the way, and he's done... So he's, when I mean, the person asked in Umar, did I perform what is righteous towards my mom? Having done the complete hajj with her and traveled her on his back all the way in the distance and done the whole hajj on his back and he's taken her. Sayyidina Umar said to him that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa with the knowledge of what Allah comes from Allah and his Rasul, that you have not given your mom the the value of the blood of the milk she's given from her breast when you were a baby yet meaning what you've done now your effort and your commitment is not worthy yet the milk she's given to you so any child that takes his parent on hajj Allah's going to reward you abundantly and as you've heard if you take your parents on hajj subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah and they haven't been on hajj as yet Allah's going to grant you the reward of their hajj as well that's besides the fact that you, you've been granting them the opportunity. You take them on hajj with what Allah has granted you as a rizik. May Allah grant khair and barakah, inshaAllah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And then also, here's another question that came through on our WhatsApp number. And it says here, Salam is a greeting for hajj over WhatsApp recommendable. It's re- a greeting recommendable. Greeting would be recommendable whether it's on WhatsApp, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on anything, it's permissible. The understanding must be you are sending and you mean what you say. <laughs> must probably be here we need to understand certain things. You cannot greet somebody that you owe him something and say to him, I ask you for forgiveness for anything that I've said or anything I've done to you. If you've done something or said something to somebody, especially if it is knowingly, that word knowingly must be removed from all the other invitations or all the information that we share in the that word knowingly because if you know that you owe somebody you owe it and you will not be forgiven by Allah Allah's the Nabi says Allah's not gonna forgive you of what you owe to anybody unless that person you owe him and you know you owe him you go to him before you can greet him you go to him and you beg of him his forgiveness he's prepared to forgive and if he's not prepared to forgive you then you must be able to pay him out but you cannot owe a person something and go for greetings for Hajj or send greetings or even using WhatsApp and using the phone and using whatever there is is permissible. It's not nothing wrong. Even though we've been reared in the process by having to go personally would be better. And especially if you owe the person that you do not go to the person to greet, you do not greet, you don't even go for greeting anywhere unless you've gone to the people that you owe first. You go to them and you settle your, your whatever there is. And if the person says to you, I forgive you, don't, don't, don't worry, don't give me back, I, I, I pardon you. Or if you've said something, if you've done something against me, I pardon you. Alhamdulillah, then you feel, feel happy and free. But the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa makes it very clear. That Allah Ta'ala only forgive you of what there is between you and Allah. If you owe the human race anything, Allah's not going to forgive you. Why? Because Allah's not an unjust Lord. Allah's not going to play the role of injustice. Allah will say to you, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, I'm sorry. What has happened between you and me, I've forgiven you. you pardon completely. The complete forgiveness is that when it's between you and me, but if you owe anybody anything or you did harm to anybody, you need to go to that person before you go to greet anything or inform anybody of the fact that you intend to go for Hajj. So if you did not get their forgiveness, or they did not pardon you, or you did not repay the person, then that's going to be kept against you until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Says the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there will be a person standing at the gate of Jannah, and he will not be able, to, he will not be allowed to enter Jannah. He will not be allowed to enter Jannah. And it will be asked from him, why are you standing here? Why don't you enter Jannah? And he says, yeah, I've got in my hand. I've not been allowed to be able to enter Jannah until I give, I want to see this person pass me to enter the gates of Jannah. And I want to ask, I've taken from him a needle, a knout, 
a needle I owe this person I've taken from this person And I, I want to give it back to this person Or I want to ask this person to pardon me Because if that person doesn't pardon me I cannot enter Jannah Subhanak This is going to happen Yawm Al-Qiyamah This is going to happen to you and me do you think it's fair that Allah forgive you for what you've done, what you owe from other people? So the, when you send information to people, unless you owe them, you do not send them any information and you actually go to them and you ask them, them forgiveness. And may Allah open the path for all of us, inshallah. I mean, shukran so much for that. However, some of the other questions that has come through, we don't have enough time. It is now 3.38 and I'm going to be asking Sheikh to do the closing dua for us, inshallah. And thereafter we will be heading into our Asr Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. والعصر إن الإنسان لفي حسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواسوا بالحق وتواسوا بالصبر وصلى الله على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والحمد لله رب العالمين والحمد لله رب العالمين